What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Self-Love Monologues, an ongoing podcast series aimed at studying the different expressions of individual love. Basically, what I'm going to be doing is each week I'll be presenting a unique perspective on the topic of self-love, particularly that painful journey that it takes to get there, because that's exactly what it is. It is a harrowing, mind-fucking journey that involves a lot of pain. All the participants in this podcast have taken a huge leap of faith by making the conscious decision to be vulnerable. Hopefully, their stories will help you remember that your life is a hundred fucking percent yours, which means you're entitled to love yourself completely and unconditionally without having to ask anyone for permission. So let's get into it. Our next guest is a goddess of many hats and talents. She's an esteemed board member of the Beehive with spiritual ties to Drake. <laughs> also a vegan chef, writer, creator, owner of www.veronicagoesvegan.com, painter, makeup artist, Teddy's mom, <laughs> teacher, bookworm, Beloved aren't, and she's also flexing a Bachelor of Science degree in construction management, pro- project management, sorry, from SAFE. Wow. <laughs> this is all you. I'm impressed. <laughs> you have my bio weight. <laughs> and I, I, I know this is just the tip of the iceberg because this is what you've just presented to us on your platforms, on Instagram and obviously your blog. But yeah. um, how, are you, like, how are you doing? How's Teddy? You know, how are you feeling? Um, in general, with this, like, I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty grateful for the life that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is that this whole pandemic thing, it's what everybody's talking about these days. I mean, it's all we could focus on because really the future is so unknown right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm grateful, like, I'm living. I feel like earlier this morning I was saying I'm living my best life, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, um, but I am almost, um, it gets you. It's a mental battle that you're just staying at home and stuff. But there's so many things that I could be grateful about that I'd stop. Like, I'd rather not complain so much. <laughs> right? So. Well, speaking of the pandemic, let's get right down to your current emotional state. Tell me about the ugliest emotion that has risen to the surface because of this pandemic. Like, the ugliest, most darkest emotion that has kind of bubbled out to the surface for you. Like, you really have to... It, you really have to meet yourself, your true yeah. self, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, like, the darkest moment was actually, people are mean <laughs> during, like, hard times, yeah. honestly. Um, um, so I actually, I, if I may, I can share a story with you what happened. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I posted something on social media. It was just about me complaining about a certain thing. And I basically got cyberbullied because I said something that I was struggling with and they're saying oh you can't basically what they were saying is you can't complain because you're not like a frontliner everybody has worse everybody's lost job blah 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 and i just said you know i think everyone has to pay a tax during this pandemic it's like yes we all have problems and all that stuff but i also like we all have issues like maybe for a person like me who has mental health issues as well my tax is to sit at home stay still and be really okay with myself throughout this pandemic right so um 
So that's kind of like I went on dark on that moment because I was just like, there's like the words that they used to attack me was really harsh. And I just had to come into peace that, you know, everybody's going through a tough time right now. I didn't judge them at that moment. But like it was just like, oh, wait, was I really like that? All those words that they were saying against me, um, is that what describes me? So I had like a real um, check with myself of who I was, what I was about. And it was a really like hard place to be at because you're by yourself. No one else is there to tell you and encourage you that you're not that person. Right. So it's like, no, you have to convince yourself that, no, I'm not that basically. So. The compare, I think you, you, you brought up the idea of uh, comparative suffering here, comparing your suffering to somebody else. I, I was listening to a podcast with Renee Brown and she was talking about that. And she said, you know, it's, it's easy for people to do that, like attack you because they're saying you shouldn't complain because there's people that are worse off. Um, you know, and comparing your pain to, to somebody else's pain, but it doesn't discredit that the pain is still yours and you're living Exactly, it. right? Like, they can say that, you know, like we can go, we can go through, we all can go through pain. There's no bigger pain on the, or the other, like a smaller one, like, yeah, we'll give them bread because this one has a bigger one and this one doesn't get any because he's he's completely fine. I just feel like that's not fair for anyone who's suffering because to me, suffering is a, basically suffering, no matter how big or small the issue was, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. You said that you had to check yourself and convince yourself that the horrible words that these people were throwing at you did not define you. Mm-hmm process what was it exactly was it like you just sitting down meditating journaling what was that process? oh it, um at first i just didn't try to let it get to me and i was just like no that's not true that's not what i wanted out in the world when i said those things when i made a post that's not what i was going for so basically um i i just had to pause a moment and then bring back what brings me joy right so i took out the emotion portion first and then I processed that, um, like, I just had to be logical about it at first. And then, basically, I distracted myself from feeling that way for a little bit. So doing activities that I like. And then come back to it with a more subtle emotion. And then I started journaling after that. Um, I didn't, this what this people that attacked me pretty much were really good friends of mine prior to this. <laughs> so I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. I didn't want to attack fire back or anything like that. So I was journaling. Um, I meditated. I did my yoga practice. And then I basically had to talk to um, one of my good friends who was also my life coach. And I've asked him, hey, like, what do you think is this? I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, what's wrong with me, but more so like, why is this happening? right? Like, why, why are people saying these things and stuff, right? So he said, you have to, he said, pretty much, you have to come to you, um, you have to master the art of criticism or accepting criticism, the psychology of it. So I did a bit of reading about it. And then I said, is it criticism? Or is it hate? Like, there's, there's two things, right? Because if it's criticism, then Oh yeah, okay. Then I can check myself. Okay, we can we can we can work on that. But is it hate? Are they attacking you personally, right? And I think that's kind of what happened. So they were attacking me personally, and I felt like okay, the words they used are not causing anything productive in my life, so it doesn't even matter, 
right? Like, it doesn't matter. So that's kind of how I sort of tried to get over it. But separating your emotion first and the logic was really a big part of the process for me. Otherwise, I would not come into a conclusion of, you know, is this hate or criticism? Like, because other, otherwise, Veronica would just normally just fire stuff back out and, like, defend myself, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's pretty... Yeah, and it's something that I do every time, like, you know, I have to make a decision. I always just journal things out. Um, and it's weird. Some people would ask me, like, why do you, why do you, like, I would make webs and stuff like that. Just because I want to be able to plan it out. Like, again, I'm a project manager uh, by by trade, let's say. So, like, I like, I like seeing things in a more, in a much bigger sense, not just, like, in that moment, just for me. So, mm. yeah. When, when you discuss hate, too, another thing about that hate is there's another layer to it. Is mm-hmm. it is there is it that their personal hate against you, or are they projecting their own self hate? And right? that's what the thing is. I think they were projecting self hate because it did. I it did not make any sense as to why it was happening. Um, knowing me, I'm sort of like, especially on my post on Instagram, I like to kick a bit of a humor in it. So. They like some people might that knows me personally will get it, and I thought that they just got that that I was just being I was joking, right? Basically, but um, I guess they're going through some issues as well, and they really I was the closest thing, and or maybe something I said have triggered them, right? So, but a lot of it is probably their project. I I don't know much, and so basically the conclusion of that was that I just. Um, I just messaged her and I said, I don't, we don't necessarily need to discuss this. I said, it's just, you know, you have your own opinion. I have mine. Um, let's just um, agree to disagree, basically, is what I said. Because I really didn't see the sense of fighting fuel with fire, more fire, right? Especially during this time when you need to expend ex- your energy. Yeah, on- yeah. So, cause yeah. the thing is, it's like, I think what they don't understand is like everyone needs more like they need compassion more than anything right now right no one needs to condemn anybody right it's just like just show show your kindness to anyone like that's what i'm all about these days because um you don't know what's what someone is going through right like sure we're all under this pandemic right Uh, i just don't think there's any room for like hate um angriness madness like i don't think there's any room for that we're going through so much as as a population as a humanity in a sense right um and i don't think i don't think any add-on stress is really required like i've got so much of me that i need to put on you know like to to remind myself that i need to get my self together so i can get through my isolation period my quarantine right i can't i just don't see myself spending one percent to hate on someone outside like i see a lot of people condemning people for posting on social media and i say why that's the that's their way of coping i don't understand like you need to be more who gave you the power to condemn who like Mm -hmm. right let's just be compassionate we're all trying to cope in this um situation let's just try to be more compassionate with each other i think Mm -hmm. no absolutely i agree yeah. How's, how's Olivia doing? She's about like... <laughs> She's gone. Um, <laughs> I brought her my Nintendo DS yesterday. 
Oh. I have Olivia's my niece. She's five. It's her birthday in two weeks, actually. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. We can't have a party, but like, I think uh, our community is really good, though. Um, we have a Facebook group, and then um, pretty much they do a drive by with all those people that are wearing dinosaur costumes for, to a kid's birthday. If, if the kid has like a birthday party, so they have like a mini parade out the front, like at the front of the house. Oh, so she's fun. she's really looking forward to that. So. Oh, yeah. I saw one of those on, on Twitter. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I know. Like, she'll have those T-Rex walking in front, blah, blah. Or like, yeah. So I said, we'll try to set up some decors in front of the house for the kids <laughs> to just take pictures with. But really, but she's very sweet. She's like, she's very understanding of it. She's five and she's, uh, she's very mature. So we're just like, oh, you know, we can't have a party. And she's like, that's okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Like, she doesn't even, I don't know if she grasps the whole pandemic situation, but she's like, it's okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah my, my, my little nieces are a bit of a character for sure. <laughs> um, speaking of that, uh, question for you. So, suppose it's, you know, it's 20 years from now and Olivia calls you right at the peak of dealing with a terrible depression and she goes, Auntie Nika, Mm -hmm. How do I learn to love myself again? What do you say to that? What are you going to tell her? Oh, wow. At first, I would be like, <laughs> that's a hard question. I've never thought about that. Um, she might ask you. Yeah, she might. She might as well. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I would say, you know, like, I think the very, very, um, very, very first step that, um, I, I shouldn't say but it was a long process is to meet yourself. You need to understand yourself. You need to know that your validation does not come from other people, but from you. Um, I like with my own journey, I feel like I've always searched for a material thing to give me that dopamine hit, you know, like I've, I'm, you know, whether it's re with relationships, with dating, right? Or um, I've always tried so hard to get good grades at school because the dopamine hit, right? Um, I've always wanted to eat good food. I've always wanted to get the good job. I've always wanted to do this. Like I was always striving because I was distracting myself and meeting myself. I don't like being alone. Like I don't, I don't like, I don't like having my own thoughts play through my head over and over. That's the moment I really get depressed. Um, so I think my advice is just be okay with meeting yourself, meet yourself and say you're okay. And if you're okay, that's more than enough for anyone else, or that's more than enough for you. You shouldn't be looking for something else to fill that void that you're looking for. Mm. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I'm glad you brought up the, the dopamine hit metaphor because mm -hmm. something that you posted that I wanted to discuss with you. You, you you posted a couple of, um, I should say, testimonies of your depression. It was mm -hmm. a part series. And in, in one of the sections, you said, my heart goes out to all of the ones that can't sleep at night, wake up at 3 a.m. wondering what they did wrong, continue to make the wrong choices for the temporary highs and the ones that sulk in tears because they can't keep it in. 
And you were just talking about those temporized highs that you were chasing at the time uh, in, in terms of relationship or being surrounded by people all the time because you were afraid of hearing your own thoughts, as you put mm-hmm. it. But what did you think you did wrong when you were going through those sleepless nights? What, what did you indict yourself for when you were going through this period? What, did, what was it? Sorry, can you reword that? Like, what were you looking? What were you looking for? Oh, what sorry. was I? No, I. What I, I was just asking um, about the like the. You said that because um, in your in your passage you said wake up at three a.m. wondering what they yeah. do, and then continue to make the wrong choices. So I was just curious mm-hmm. when you were going through that period of you know having sleepless nights and asking yourself those questions. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. What did you think, what were you indicting yourself for? What were you crucifying yourself for? What wrong things were they at that time? Because I think I was, I, I think it's because I've always known what I was chasing yeah. was wrong, but I kept doing it. And yeah. I felt like I was expecting a different result, but it turns out I'm causing myself more to be really insane about this. Like, um, just to be really open out there, I dated a lot. Like, I filled the void um, by presence of men, pretty much. So it came to a point where I would date a new person every month, right? And then I get so exhausted. It's the same result over and over again. Um, I would date someone, it goes well. A um, couple weeks pass, I'll hate them for something that they did minorly, break up with them, and then go do the same thing with another person. Because I was refusing to work on myself. Because everybody was saying, oh, you know, like, especially, like, older people that I, I, I used to hang out with, like, an older group because I'm, like, really good friends with my sister. So we all used to have, like, the same group of friends. So they're all much pretty, pretty much older than me and more mature. So they would always say the phrase, you know, you got to learn to love yourself more. And I said, but I love myself. You know, I wouldn't spend all this makeup, spend all this money on makeup and clothes if I didn't like myself. So I like myself, right? But... The question was, did I like myself when I was truly alone and I was just me? So that was what kept going back. But then I was so I was so scared to face myself. So I just kept I just kept distracting myself, doing the same thing, same pattern until it hit to a point where it's like, hey, like you've been doing this for how many years and you have not seen any result. You're still going home at the end of the day, sad, broken. You don't know what's happening. So do you not think there's something wrong with that? Like, so that's when I really was able to define what self-love was for me. Mm. Right? Because I was in denial. Like, I was like, no, I'm not that person. And they think everybody's saying that you, you're just chasing it. Like, everybody was saying, hey, like, why do you keep chasing attention from guys? And it's like, no, I'm not. Like, this is what I do. This is I like what I like. I was so afraid to be vulnerable that I actually wanted a relationship with a guy, right? But I kept dating and dating because I didn't want to admit that to anyone. Because I was scared of myself, of what my true self was. I was scared to be vulnerable. So, but it came to a point where it's like, hey, like you, you're you're not me. And, but I was always on the quest of, hey, what will make me happy, right? And I always thought it was this and this and that, but if a door keeps closing on you, doesn't that mean that, you know, you have to move on to something else? You have to look somewhere else? You have to open a window, perhaps, maybe? I don't know. And that's when I said, oh, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something else here, right? 
But it like don't get me wrong, it didn't happen overnight. It was there's a lot of like there was a lot of back and forth. So <laughs> it was a lot of learning in progress, okay? There's drama and oh. mm. A lot of late night phone calls with my girlfriends, a lot of drunk texting. It's, it's it's a bunch of stuff, but a lot, yeah, yeah. I love the distinction that you made between self love as something that you you define based on material appearance, as you said, yeah, right? as opposed to really asking the question, do I really love myself when I'm alone? Like with those thoughts. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of us, like, no, you'll see a lot of girls walking out there be like, I love myself. I got my nails done, my hair done, my shoes, got my stilettos on. I'm the boss. Like a lot of people would say that. A lot of girls would. But honestly, everything's off. Camera's off. You sit down at the end of the night. Do you really like yourself at your worst? Do you, right? And you don't have to necessarily improve yourself right away. You know, you don't, you, you can't improve yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't. What I'm saying is, are you willing to accept your flaws as they are? I think that's what true self-love is, is that, okay, I am this person or for, I don't know if you're a dude. Okay. I'm a piece of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, I'm like, okay, I have a, I've been a piece of shit for a while. Okay. Like I'm accepting of that. I am accepting of that, but not be arrogant about it. Right. Be humble about who you are. Mm -hmm. And be okay with that. Okay, I'm a piece of shit, but we can work on this. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first step of when you can really better your life in terms of, you know, loving yourself, if that's what your goal is in life, right? But yeah, I hope <laughs> that makes sense. Is that making sense? It's okay. all right. Oh, you have, don't you see my expressions? I'm I just, can see it, but I'm just like, I don't, like, I don't see the body language, right? So I'm just like, no, 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 I'm, I, I am. I'm right. I'm so connected to your response right now because yeah. it's, oh, so that's true. it's so yeah. true. And I, Olivia is very lucky to have such like a, a, a wise, wise auntie in her, in her, in her. Oh my trust. gosh, this wiseness, whatever this is, it didn't come like overnight. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, that's why I like sharing things, you know, that's why I'm very vulnerable on my post because I feel like if someone, like if another person was telling me this when I was 15, like I feel like I could have avoided a lot of heartbreaks, I could have avoided a lot of hills and humps, you know, um, um, but unfortunately that wasn't it for me, it was, I had to do it for myself, right? Um, because especially in my background, we come from a very traditional family, Filipino family with my parents, they're in their 60s now. They're very, I don't want to say in denial because they're more accepting of it now and they're, they understand where I'm coming from. However, like when they were 15, when I was 15, 16, they didn't quite get it. The mental issues, it wasn't a thing. It was very taboo. There's a stigma to it. Um, so they didn't really understand what it was. I think like most immigrant um, parents actually do not recognize it. At least my, my parents' age, maybe the new ones now, because it wasn't talked about. It wasn't something they're used to, right? If something was acting up, they're just like, she's just got a bad attitude. Like, it's not even, it's not even, oh, like, what's wrong? Like, there was no question of it, right? Um, so, but they've come around. They've understand it now. I also understand that my parents, it was their first time dealing with that. So they had no playbook, right? So it's important as well for people to, have you know like 
people like me or like us that speaks about these troubles or these challenges that we faced in life. Um, I think there's they're definitely like it's definitely louder than it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean the work is done. You know, like I think there's still um, a lot of stigma around it, um, no matter what. But um, you know, it's getting better, right? It is. Um, the mental health industry is growing as the day goes on. Um, but um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, but you know, as part of the universe, I'd like to give back to people. So if they do have questions, they want to talk to me. I'm more than open for. A conversation in this regard so yeah and that's why i accepted your phone call because i was or your um your this podcast absolutely and i agree with you with everything that you're talking about in terms of the immigrant population having mm -hmm. literacy because the generation our generation our parents generation they were raised to to always be like have this stoicism right this mm -hmm. this import like this 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 unrealistic stoicism like nobody can just be tough like that all the time right mm -hmm. possible and if you were having issues it's either like you said you get attitude or you like sometimes the book there's a demon that the child is possessed literally mm, yeah oh 100 you know? yeah. yeah or they yeah. think just you're automatically crazy really yeah 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 <laughs> which, no, is, 100%. which is which and that's why I don't think I went out seeking for life coaching or therapy right away because I felt like I wasn't accepting of it. I felt like I was going to be condemned. People are going to look at me differently, right? You were scared to share your stories with other people. But it's perfectly normal to feel these way, this way, right? So it is. It is. It is. Were you uncomfortable discussing it with your friends, your peers? Um, so, um... A little bit for a little bit, like I think until about I was because I first started um, realizing that I had some traumas when I was around 16, maybe. So it wasn't until about 21 that I was comfortable talking about it to other people. Mm. Um, so I think I was in college and just the pressure broke through me. Um, and then I opened up to a friend, but so, like and again, this is like why I closed back in again was because some of them didn't really understand. Um, they condemned you for it and whatnot. Um, it wasn't a great place to be at because you're thinking, oh, this was supposed to be my friend and stuff. They're supposed to be there for me no matter what. And I didn't quite get that support because and I don't blame them for that. It's more so because there is lack of understanding as to what it was. Right. So and I think at 21, you don't really quite understand the wholeness of um how mental health issues exist and how it affects an individual i don't know like i feel like eight years ago it wasn't as defined as it is now right so you haven't heard much about it so i don't think my friends knew either how to deal with it with me or maybe they're going through it too and i didn't know because they didn't want to open up so yeah what was the trauma and how did you rise from it like what happened when you were um, so I the thing is for the longest time I was battling with with it I just and I didn't know the um I didn't know the cost there I don't think there's a direct cost but pretty much um I went to therapy it's called um I went it, it's with um a group called shift psychology 
Um, and then they do a bilateral stimulation therapy where you listen to the sounds. It's like it's pretty much like EDMR. But basically what they're saying is that you're we're going to reprocess your memory and then that memory will tie into your normal memory. It'll be stored differently in the brain. There's there's a whole science about it. I'm not going to talk about it because I'm not well versed. But um, pretty much she made me go through my history and whatnot. And then she said, OK, what's your what's your worst memory? while basically in like hypnosis mode what's your worst memory and then it came out um so my earliest worst memory was when my mom um left me or i shouldn't say left me but being um overseas workers my parents were overseas workers when they met um my mom had to go back to lebanon that's where they were first working and my sister and i stayed with my dad in the philippines um, we were still one unit, but my mom just goes to Lebanon for work, pretty much, right? Um, and we wouldn't see her. I think we would see her once a year for a month, maybe? Or maybe, no, I think it's like once every two years for a month. Um, and she left when I was one. And then she didn't come back, or we didn't become like an entire family until we all migrated to Canada, which was um, April... I know, which was um, 14 years ago when I was four, when I was um, when I was 20. No, when I was 14, when I was 14 or 15. And then so when we when I immigrate, when we immigrated here, um, it was just the dynamic was a lot different. It changed. Right. Like, you know how an, like an immigration could do some, I don't know, something to the child. Like it's 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 stressful enough as is. Right. Uh, to move here but to pretty much start over it's like being reborn again into this new city new town right anyway so going back when i when my therapist asked me what's my first worst memory all i could think of was um my three my it was an early vision it was very vivid when i remembered it it was um my third birthday party um i had a heart-shaped cake and then everyone was icing my face and i was looking up and i was looking for my parents and I couldn't find them because my mom was never really there during my birthday. So I didn't know how that impacted me because um, I've always been logical about things. I understood what she had to do. I understand what my, had, my parents had to do for us to survive. But I guess like the child in me um, never processed that feeling because I never cried about it. I never made any um assumptions about it it was just understood that my mom wasn't there but I guess I was looking for it um and then so what my therapist was saying is that you rationalize it pretty early but that doesn't mean that you didn't get hurt by what happened right because you pretty much spent 14 years um your mom was not physically there with you you knew your mom through phone calls through emails through letters but maybe video calls but never never really personal right so yeah, so that was that was the first trauma. And then um, when I really started seeking, um, when I started noticing changes in me was that when I was or when I was 15, when I moved here in terms of when I moved here. So that kind of get got a bit depressing for me because I had to make new friends and whatnot. So that's another um, pretty much that's another um let's say factor the, the mental health issues that I was having. And then 
Um, the last one was actually pretty recently. Um, I shouldn't say recently. It was probably two years ago now. And this is when I said, okay, um, I'm going to stick with going to the doctors for this. Like, I need t therapy for this. This is when I asked for people, other pe professionals help. Because from the time I was 15 to about 27, I've always said, yes, I have mental health issues, but I can overcome it. Like, I've never been one to go to therapy take meds for it i was just like oh like i'm depressed it's normal like i was still fighting it right like because mm -hmm. i couldn't get the stigma out of my head for the longest time mm -hmm. and then um um so what happened two years ago was that i had i was in a relationship um he was an alcoholic so it was very Let's just say it's a very dramatic, it was a very dramatic experience. One of the, um, I couldn't, like one of the limiting factors during the relationship that was really, that really caused some trauma in me was I couldn't speak my mind. I wasn't allowed to be me because I couldn't say anything or do anything that could trigger him. Like I was, it was a very codependent relationship, I feel like. Um, I feel like I couldn't say anything um, because um, I don't want to trigger him into drinking. I don't want to upset him. I wasn't, I wasn't myself anymore. Um, and then I always wanted him to be around me. Like I, I need to know where his whereabouts. I needed to be with him every day. Um, it felt like it wasn't a good day if I didn't, you know, if I didn't hang out with this person or if I wasn't with this person. So I was very codependent, pretty much. And I felt like we were not, um, you know, we were, we, we should, we're supposed to be in one unit. Like we would never be, we're, we shouldn't be separated. I felt like, I felt like I was very dependent on him. Like my happiness was dependent on how happy he would feel. Right. So, so those were my, I guess like what my, um, my steps leading to my trauma, I guess. Um, but through therapy, one is therapy because you need um, a person, a third person pretty much that's outside your group that like, that is able to detach themselves and explain to you what the situ what ha what's happening in the situation, right? Like, because sometimes if you ask a friend, they, be they can become biased. And if you talk to a sister, or your sibling, or to my sister, I don't want to make her feel like, you know, I'm burdening her with all of this. Although she's not complaining about it, sometimes she's also biased, right? Like, she's also seeing it based on how she knows me, or why I reacted that way and whatnot, or why that is and stuff. So it's really nice to have, like, a professional, um, a different person to just help you figure out your thoughts and connect the links that you're missing. So, Was he abusive? Um, no, um, no, but that, that, no, he wasn't abusive. It was more so just, um, really just like, how, how do I explain this? I'm not, I wasn't allowed to get mad. Like I wasn't allowed to, um, release any emotions, feelings. We were not allowed to talk about why I'm upset. If I'm upset, he has to be upset as well. Like I'm not, I'm never allowed to be upset because his well-being comes first before mine type of thing. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And I think it, what you, the, the, the topic that you're not talking about is so important 
and I hope there's you know, there's a listener out there that can take some, something away from this because you said that the the reason why you were justifying being with him despite you understanding that it was toxic to be in that situation was because it made you happy to make him happy. Mm-hmm. You, and you felt like you needed him for your own happiness so much so that you had to see him every day, which goes back to that issue that you were telling me about from the beginning of the podcast, that being alone was just such a terrifying thing for you, so much exactly. so that you're willing to, to, to put yourself through something like this, even if you knew that it was toxic. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, no, for sure. It, like, I knew it was toxic, but I was like, no, we can, I can make this work. It almost felt like a project to me. Like, no, we're going to make this work. I'm going to keep you happy so I can be happy. Um, yeah. And then you, not until you actually step away from it and, you know, have the proper tools to guide you, you don't, you don't realize that because you're so blinded by it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 100%, 100%. I agree with you. Um, another thing that I was going to, I, I, I did a lot of digging on you the whole day. Mm. <laughs> I know you were liking my pics and I was like, oh, he's gone past 52 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he's going deep, I said. You, no, I, I, you, I, 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 you know, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person yet. yet. So I was like, I know, I know. I was like, uh, I think I represented my well, myself well. Because I was like, should I call him first before we do the recording? Because, like, <laughs> I don't know what he knows about me and stuff. <laughs> I, but, yeah, I, no. No, it's fine. Like, my 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 Instagram profile is public because for that reason. Because I post a lot of vulnerable things. And if it somehow ends up on someone's Explorer page and learn something from it, I'd be, I'd be totally happy that I shared my word, right? So... It's there for people's enjoyment. <laughs> As you probably have come to learn uh, with, with, you know, reviewing a couple of my podcasts, I have my, my, my mental health preservation work that I'm interested in has a very specific focus on suicide or depression as something that I had to overcome myself. And in one of your posts, you said something and, and you went, you clearly don't know what it feels like to hold a knife in the middle of the night, wondering if it could all end here. My question mm-hmm. on that is what were the words that when that, um, cause I'm assuming just to confirm, this is something, this was an incident that actually happened to you where mm-hmm. you were. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so my question to you on that is what in that moment, if you were to just go back to that moment, what words helped you rise from this in your head? Like, what did you tell yourself? Or did you even say anything? You just kind of moved away. What, how did you walk away? And be- yeah. Um, I used to cut myself, like, you know, like, it's not something I'm proud of, you, you know, you guys, but I'm sharing it because I'm trying to be as open as possible. Um, I used to cut myself just, like, little um, slices on my arm so that I can feel pain because I just felt, like, I felt very numb inside that I don't know what to do. Like, I felt very numb. I wasn't happy. So I kept cutting myself little things, um, little slices on my arm. Or sometimes I would burn myself purposely. On like with the pan at the at the range right um and my parents didn't know about this and stuff um then and then i remember one time in the middle of the night um i had what do you call those things they're like the cutters like the one that you slide very sharp you used to cut paper paper cutters or whatever they are I, I yeah. yeah yeah but they, you, you slide them up and down right yeah and then i had one in my hand honestly i couldn't sleep um, I was 
15, 14? No, maybe 15, 16, maybe. 15, 16. I had it in my hand. It was the nights, the light were off, the lights were off. Um, I remember like saying to myself, you know, like, what if you die? You wouldn't feel this way anymore. Like your parents wouldn't have to worry about you. You're, you know, no one will, will, will hit. No, because I felt bullied in school as well during, because it was my, it was my first year here in Canada. I was grade nine. Like it was just, it was just weird. Like it was just a weird time for me. Like I was going through hormonal changes. I was going through puberty and then people hate me for no reason again. And it's like, I'm so confused. Right. And like, I just like, I held that blade and I was just like, if I just like cut my wrist right now, I honestly could just end it all here and everything will be fine. They cannot hate me, me anymore. My parents won't have to worry about me. I wouldn't feel this way anymore. No one would even notice, I said. Right? But um, at the same time, I joined a local youth group, group at that time. And then that's when I realized, you know, like, um, you know, there's actually people that care about you. No matter what you say, no matter you say, no matter how alone you are, there's people that cared about you. And I think what stopped me the most is that even though in that time I was thinking my parents would be okay in my head too, I was just like, no, I know my dad and my mom, they're going to cry and I don't want them to cry. So, so that's kind of like, okay, like, let's put this away. So what I ended up doing is I channeled all of that energy and like, creating art like I was in art classes and I would just make dark materials and stuff like that like I was the evil kid in junior high making all this dark art stuff but behind that it's true behind that I wanted to like end it right there and there because I didn't want to be made fun of at school I didn't want to be stared at at school I don't want to give my mom and my dad a hard time anymore um because at that point it was very our relationship was very heated because they didn't really understand this teenage with so much teenager with so much angst, right? And again, they're from they're from a different generation, so they didn't really get it. They didn't know what to do. There was just they were just as lost as I was. Mm. So yeah. So but then thinking about like you know I do have I have this budding relationship with people from this local youth group that you know they they do seem genuinely enough to care about me. And then I have my parents. That's kind of what kept me going and saying that, you know, maybe I can I can put this off for a little while. <laughs> so, but it was my first and last thought of suicide. After that, I I just never really um I just never really thought about it after. Like there were moments that I would like drive and be like, if I drive into the curb, will I die? Like, but I never really had the courage to do it now because I felt like I've got a lot of relationships that I'm invested in, that they're also invested in me, that I cannot disappoint them. I feel like if I, if I just took the easy way, I feel like I would disappoint a lot of people and I didn't want to hurt anyone. So that's why I'm like, whenever I discuss this with doctors and stuff, they're like, are you having, are you having any suicidal thoughts? And I'm like, no, not really. I'm just, I'm just not all there today. It's just, it's just sad, but I'm not. I'm not wanting to commit suicide or anything like that. So, with everything that you've said so far, all the 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 the, the pain that you've overcome, I've noticed that there's been one constant 
you've always had the gift of observe of being the observer of stepping out of whatever action or situation you're in and observing it from a distance for example in this situation you're able to take a step back and observe and be like wait no i have healthy relationship that i'm building at this youth group that i need to nourish right mm -hmm. in your relationship you did that you took a step back and you observed you're like wait so this is what's going on this is why i'm this is why i'm, I'm getting a half from this relationship and i think mm -hmm. that actually having that kind of like ability to step back and observe yourself like that is so important for your mental health mm -hmm. you need oh, yeah, 100 you can't be impulsive and have a mental health issue like it's just it's just not like that at that point you're just like lighting up every firecracker that you can if you're impulsive right mm -hmm. so i like i had to learn that like i had to learn it in a hard way i would say but you know like i've always been the, my personality has always been you know like if you were gonna make a decision let's narrow the pros and cons i always do that that's like a little exercise i do i don't know if it's the project manager in me again but like i'm just like that like i was just like okay if we say this if we do this what's what's pros one two three what are the cons one two three right mm -hmm. i've always approached things in a very um rational way i would say mm -hmm. instead of just going yes let's do it right because mm -hmm. i feel like it's costing me a lot it'll cost me a lot more if i just i'm just always impulsive sometimes mm -hmm. you gotta be adventurous and be spontaneous but there's especially if it involves a life i think you gotta rethink your choices first before you <laughs> dive head in first right so <laughs> Well, speaking of spontaneity and spontaneity, I always say that wrong, gosh. And being a researcher, <laughs> I always have to think about it. I, I, I was doing research on your blog and you said something in your intro, I'm vegan. You said, I have been toying with the idea of going vegan for about a year now. I was a vegetarian for two years starting in 2015, so how hard could it be? The biggest challenge I found was explaining why I made the choice. Am I an advocate for animals or am I just trying to save the world? or maybe join a fad? I have no answer to that question. It just feels nice to believe into something that you know could make a difference, even in little forms, and the byproducts are just benefits. Mm -hmm. When I that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if you realize that you've literally written the perfect antidote to self-doubt that <laughs> sometimes you don't need to know the answer. <laughs> like, you know, because you rationalized, you said, I don't know the answer, but I know that there's something good involved in this and there's going to exactly. be exactly so like and that's the thing like so, well I'll just go back with an example of being vegan right like honestly I was thinking about it and I was just like why am I being like why why am I so drawn to this is what I'm thinking right like why do I why do I get the urge to do it yeah it, especially because I love food I love I love love all Filipino food and they're all with meat most of the times right yeah. so it was hard for me to like just give it up and one that but I was able to do that because I felt like you know like I don't have to be an animal rights activist you know mm -hmm. I don't have to be fighting Carol Baskin or whatever mm -hmm. but I'm just saying like um I think being vegan has you know has benefits more than negatives really so mm -hmm. why why not right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why not like it's with everything else in life that's how i approach it it's just like okay like for, i could say no to your to, to your podcast because oh i don't know him like i don't know what to talk about blah blah, blah. but i can only see good things to come out of it right like you mm -hmm. can meet a new person and then you could just 
you know, you could just have a conversation whether the episode actually goes bad or like it doesn't go well at all, then you still met a person that, you know, that's another person and then you, you learn something from it. Like I love learning from people. I love learning from conversations versus, um, you know, versus reading textbooks and stuff like that. I do enjoy reading, but I do enjoy like one-on-one conversations with people and just learn so many things about them. So why not? Right. I love it. I, I love it. And that was a gift. Like I, I actually like that. I, I internalized it. My body internalized it immediately. When you, you know, when you read something, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, a moment. That's yeah. why I read that because I'm taking a lot of chances with my life right now and yeah. I'm working so hard to have answers to everything. And then when I read yeah. this, oh, like, what? Like, oh my God, like, I need to stop. Like, I should just do it. Why not? They can only be good byproducts. Let me just go for it. Like, you know. Exactly. Well, the thing is, I think we hide so much on like, getting everything perfect Mm -hmm. before we start something people that want to start businesses as well Mm -hmm. they always just say like i'm not releasing it like if they're releasing a product they're like i'm not releasing it until it's a hundred percent and i'm like but you loved it from your idea so why the fuck not if it's only 70 now and if it's good enough for you it should be good enough like and that's how i kind of i've always been again like I treat every, like when I'm looking for that hit of dopamine, when I, when I'm feeling down, it's, you know, I gotta be perfect. I gotta do this. I gotta, everything I, I gotta be the best. So I had to let go of that. I had to let go of, you know, my, my, perf- like my need for perfection. And then I listened to a podcast and he said, you know, like it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, 70% could just be enough. And I was like, okay, like if I'm doubting myself, I just start saying that to myself. I'll be like, this is my 70%, but I'm going to put it out there. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, you just because you end up going crazy just trying to perfect it, right? So it's just like, yeah, it's just 70%, but it's good. I'm going to put it out there. You drive me so crazy with the self doubt. (laughs) Like, I was like, oh my God. So, like, Like, I'm going to put this in a sticky note, like, actually, like, because I need yeah. I always remember. You don't need to know all the answers. Go for no, it. No, you don't need, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to. <laughs> and I think that was the most frustrating part for me is even if you try so hard to find the answer, you could spend years, your entire life looking for an answer. You still won't find it. So sometimes you just got to be okay with the 70%, right? <laughs> oh, God. Um. My the life. best part is, who knows that 70%, right? They don't know. If they like it, it could be 100 to them. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, my last question was ending on a lighter note, and I think you're going to love this one. Okay. Uh, let's just pretend you're right in the middle of a heart-to-heart with Beyonce. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, all this- I don't mean, first of all, I probably won't be able to talk, but Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, my God, is this real life? But, okay, I think I can do it. No, no, let's, let's, make, let's make this more, a little more quiet. Like, you know, like, it's not... It's not um, like an intimate moment. Okay. Yeah, like, all the excitement over the fact that she's a star is completely gone, and you're literally mm-hmm. just now looking at her as a regular woman, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting maybe in a cafe somewhere and tucked out, you know, in a corner, and you're having just, mm-hmm. like, a girl... Kind of like the girl talk that you said you had to go through to, 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 to you know, get to the place where you are now. You're having a heart-to-heart with Beyonce. What question do you want to ask her about life? Oh, my gosh. Like, 
I think, and this is like half fangirl, half like looking at like um, how she did, right? But like, I want to know <clears throat> how she was okay going back to Jay Z after she found out that she was he was cheating. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go through the thought process of that because for someone to cheat on you, I feel like a part of yourself erodes. Mm. But, like, so how did she bring herself back up that, you know, like, okay, I'm going back to my husband, but at the same time, it's, because I hate it when, I shouldn't say I hate it because I've never been through it, but I think people who say we're going to stick around for the kids, I think, like, that's, like, a complete recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. So I want to know how she talked herself into saying, I am still Beyonce, like, and even though this man, like, how did she separate Beyonce as the woman that she is now or uh, or what she'll be, right? The one that we see. How did she separate that from the Beyonce that got cheated on? Mm. You know, like, I feel like if someone cheats on you, I feel like that would hit you a bit hard. So I want to know how she thought of, like, because that's the ultimate rejection, I feel like. So, like, how did her ego take it? Um, did her did, did her ego um, take over her? I want to know that. What was her thought process, right? Because I feel like if you get through a cheating and you still look so good, like, okay, like this, there's something about this woman that's fairly special, I think, that I'd like to know what the secret is. So, <laughs> yes. Right? So, so, yeah. I just, like, I, like, it must have taken such strength and courage to stay in, to stay in her situation forgive her husband what i don't know if it's true or not but if it is right i'm just sticking to the story yeah um you know like i want to know what 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 that took what what it took as a person to get there so that'll be my question for her beyonce if you're listening thank you (laughs) 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 or you can make another album about it so Yeah. It's the ultimate. It's so true. I never thought about that. Like being cheated on is the ultimate rejection. Right. It is. Because like, it's like, oh, I, like I gave you everything, and then all of a sudden you're just like, no, that wasn't good enough. I'm like, yeah. what did I do? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This has been wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. Um, before, like, we we end episode. Please tell the listeners where they can find your amazing recipes. I know we 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 plan to post, you know, when we release. Like, oh yeah, but I also want to tell you about my mini passion project. It's called oh. Bliss Yoga Bar. Yes. Um. So Bliss Yoga Bar, basically, the idea about the brand is we wanted to. Um, it was it was founded by me and my friend Faye, and we just wanted to, um, create a community out there that helps educate people. To live their best life because we both feel like in order for you to um in order for you to achieve happiness or a certain level of contentment in life we always tend to chase you know the material things we want to look good we so we work out but we forget about the mental health or we work out but we don't do the proper nutrition right so i feel like we want so our aim is to just have a community where we can discuss a holistic approach as to how we're doing this. So that's done through yoga. That's why we have we offer our pop-up events before the quarantine happen. Um, and then we, we usually serve vegan treats and food. 
so we can show we can show them how can how can people enjoy food without harming others and that it's still nutritious right and then at the end we have like um many get to know each other um portion of it so it kind of builds a sense of community where this the individuals are sort of like-minded all looking for this sense of happiness but not just one dimensional right so mm -hmm. we're giving them hey you know yoga is a form of meditation right but if you don't check in your your nutrition as well you won't be health like everybody thinks that being healthy is all just about the body mm -hmm. it's also about your 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 head um, not just what you eat, but all like we just want you to realize that as a whole. And again, with my with what I went through, um, I feel like you can't get better unless you have a community. Mm -hmm. If you stay connected with people, I really firmly believe in like being able to connect. I think as humans, our main purpose in life is to connect with others. So if you don't have a connection, um, I feel like no matter how hard you work on your body, I don't think you'll get, you're going to be, I mean, don't call me on it because I have no science behind it. But like, I just think like for you to be healthy, it has to be mind, body, and soul, mm -hmm. period. Yeah. Right. So, so that's what Bliss Yoga Bar is about. Um, it's, um, we offer pop-up events. We're supposed to do another one in May 30th in Vancouver this time. But since the COVID has happened, um, we're probably going to postpone that to see where this all ends and then we'll reschedule it. Um, but uh, that we have an Instagram account. It's at Bliss Yoga Bar. Um, my personal Instagram account is at Veronica Goes Vegan. And I do have a website, www.veronicagoesvegan.com. I haven't had time to post much recipes on there, but I try as much as I can. But Instagram is very updated. You can kind of get ideas based on what I post and stuff. But yeah, check it out. Your, your, your project, Bliss Yoga, um, is it just only, can they... Can the listeners only find announcements on the Instagram page, or is there something else? Right now, right now, it's the only page that we're advertising on. Um, we're working on. It's fairly new. I we our first event was in February. Okay. So it hasn't been around for a while. So we're setting up all the logistics, and we wanted to see the market first. Okay. Again, this is one of the projects that I launched. I was like, it's seventy percent. Let's go. <laughs> so I don't. So yeah. we don't have a website, but I'm just like, well, we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, it, well, the event in Feb had like a good turnout. So we thought of doing another one. Once this COVID is done, we'll probably announce it on our um, Instagram page again. So, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate this. This is fun. <laughs>